HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Severin coming to you live from the Hudson Valley with Radio for Young Farmers by Young Farmers. We are delighted to be once again on the air joined this time by Melanie in Missouri. Hello, she hello. A- hello, Melanie. How are you? I'm very well. It's really nice to have you on. Yay, it's good to be here. And, and I Melanie and I, and I met um, actually because Greenhorns was out at Farm Aid in St. Louis, Missouri, which is also the capital um, or rather the headquarters of Monsanto, um, but was in that instance the headquarters of a very big rock concert um, thrown by Willie Nelson and um, Neil Young and uh, Mellencamp and Dave Matthews, who are rock stars um, in solidarity with family farming. So that was a really great occasion, um, and I managed to meet kind of a lot of awesome uh, Midwestern farmer activists, um, of which uh, Melanie is one. Yay. Melanie, would you mind explaining um, about Butterfly Hill Farm and, and what you guys are doing there? Sure, sure. Um, we actually have lived here um, in northeast Missouri um, for about two and a half years. Um, both my, I, I'm here with my parents. Um, both my folks grew up here um, in northeast Missouri, and then we moved away for 30-odd years. Um, and once they retired, they wanted to come back to the area and have... Um, a little, I suppose, um, kind of homestead um, and produce a lot of our own food. And I was, um, I was in a position in which that sounded really fantastic, and so I joined in. Um, and so that's what we've been doing for about the last two and a half years or so, um, trying to raise as much of our own food as possible. Um, and 
restoring the land back to health. It was pretty tired. It had been farmed for um, a number of years before that. Um, we've been doing that kind of stuff, raising our own chickens and, um, yeah, just getting to know the land and doing that kind of stuff. So tell me, what, what were your parents doing, um, doing in, the, in that 30-year interval? And what, um, what were dad, you doing? We were up um, in North Dakota, and my dad um, was... Uh, he was in the biology department at the University of North Dakota and kind of in charge of the um, waterfowl um, end of that. Um, so he did that, and when we first went up there, my mom was doing, um, she was in the home act department, and then about the mid-90s or so, she created the environmental um, studies end of um, the program at North Dakota, at University of North Dakota. So they were doing that. I was um, I was trained as an elementary school teacher, and then I taught while I was there, um, and then decided that I wanted to kind of go do some other things. So I did some traveling and moved up to Alaska, and um, just kind of got more. All three of us actually, um, especially in the last ten, fifteen years, have really gotten more into um, sustainable living, um, treating the land. Uh, treating the earth, treating our bodies um, really, really well. So that's kind of what we've been doing. And one thing that you guys are really focused on is seed saving. What, yeah. what, what were your particular successes or, or favorites in the garden this year? Oh, gracious. Our garden did so well this year. It was wonderful. Um, oh, particular favorites. We had a lot of fun with um, tomatoes, um, peppers, I tried some sesame this last year, and that didn't really... Do you, you, were, you tasted some when you were here, didn't you? Yeah, they seemed like they were still pretty green. They were pretty green, and I, I think I probably planted them just too late. Um, let's see, what else do we do? We all plant sorghum, um, and we make molasses um, from that sorghum using all the old equipment from um, my... Let's see, on my dad's side, that equipment goes back to my grandparents, but sorghum making goes back to uh, my great-grandparents. So we um, save seed from that. Um, gosh, every- hold on now. I think we need to talk about what sorghum molasses is. I don't think that okay. a lot of our listeners are necessarily totally sorghum literate. And you know, from, I probably wouldn't have been. What, what is sorghum? And, sorghum? and what, you, what is sorghum molasses? And actually, to be <laughs> correct, it actually is called sorghum syrup. Um, but a lot of people around here just call it molasses. That's what it's known as. Um, Sorghum is a grass, and it grows rather like corn, I suppose, or cane. Um, and what we do, is we plant it in the spring and then harvest in the fall around September, um, and we strip off all the leaves. So if you can imagine a corn stalk, um, and then imagine, you know, no, there's no ears or anything like that on it. But we strip off all the leaves, and then we take the... Um, the plant then to, we have the old mill, um, the old cane press, and so um, we go, um, we press the cane and we get out the juice and then we boil the juice down. And um, then, I mean, it's basically at that point kind of like maple um, sugaring, whoever, you know, if anyone knows about that. Um, and you just boil it down to a certain consistency and voila, then you have sorghum syrup. It's, you can be, it can be used similarly to molasses, but it does have a different flavor. It's not, not at all like blackstrap molasses um, in which it's, you know, bitter. Um, this is actually quite sweet. You had some while you were here. It was quite it's delicious. It's really delicious. I've been ha- a lot of, um, there's a lot of molasses 
sorghum molasses in Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And bet, so I got bet. some in Tennessee that I've been... It's really good on oatmeal. Yep. I had some of that for breakfast this morning, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and so where did, um, where did this tradition of sorghum pressing come from? You know, in this area, um, I don't know how far it, date, it dates back to. Um, we've actually talked about this as a family quite a bit. Um, during, um, like, around the World War II-ish time, um, you know, sugar wasn't something or sugar was rationed, um, and it wasn't something that was very easy to get. And so a lot of folks around here um, were making their own sweeteners. Um, in fact, in this county, there um, at one point there were like 30-some operational um, sorghum mills, um, and those, most of those would have been just, you know, for families and friends and, you know, probably selling, you know, to whoever around. They weren't big ones at all. Um, but now we only know of maybe three or four um, in the area. So well, I don't know exactly when it started, um, but that's I, it, it was really popular um, back then. And, you know, since white sugar's kind of taken over, um, then folks don't use it quite as much. So, Well, and, and in, in the States, we don't think that much about, alter, you know, we think about cane sugar a lot. Yeah. yeah. But, in fact, a lot of the sugar that we're eating is corn syrup, and then a lot of it is increasingly beet sugar. Yeah. So um, why not sorghum? And doesn't sorghum yeah. have a lot of minerals in it? If, you know, um, I would love to see um, the nutritional breakdown of sorghum. Actually, um, it is supposed to. I don't know. I don't know exactly what um, the breakdown would be, but it is supposed to have more nutrients than you know, obviously, like a, a, um, a bleached white sugar. So. Well, I I feel that it does. We don't have any science right now on the program to to verify it, but it. It certainly is rumored to and, and would seem to be. <laughs> it tastes um, good. So it feels better to use it. It feels nice. It, feels, it tastes delicious. Yep. So sorghum is a big part of what you're doing. And will you describe kind of the layout of your farm and, and, and what's in this, what the kind of surrounding uh, landscape matrix is composed of? Sure. Uh, and kind of what's going on in your little part of Missouri? Sure, sure, sure. Gosh, that's a lot. Um, we, Butterfly Hill Farm is 40 acres, and of that 40 acres, probably about 12 to 15 or so are wooded. Um, the rest of it would be kind of meadow um, area. A lot of that would have been um, hayed probably up to maybe 15 years ago. Um, and there's some of it, actually, that looks like it's coming back um, to native prairie. Um, which is something that both of my folks um, did a lot up in North Dakota to restore native prairie. So that excites us all, um, and we're hopeful to do uh, maybe like some little prairie burns and see what happens, see what comes back, um, and hopefully do some seeding in of some more prairie grasses and such. Um, and this and what area, does it take? What, so, it, so, so in order to get the native prairie back, you have to do some controlled burns? Yeah, and you um, have to um, mow occasionally, or what do you? Yeah, do? there's there's lots of ways to do it. Um, I I know what uh, my dad would like to do is we'll do some controlled burns. We would have liked to have done one in the fall, but it was just too wet, um, and so we'll hopefully do one in the spring because there's a lot of fescue. So we want to try to get the fescue down. Um, but a, a lot of the prairie seeds need um, the competition to be gone, and they need um, fire. Um, to break open the seeds. So we'll just kind of see what comes back after 
um, a burn. And we're not talking about burning a lot. It, you know, it would just be portions of an acre, actually, um, that we would start with um, and just kind of see what seeds are there. There are some um, plants that are around um, that are native prairie. Um, so it's kinda, it'll be interesting to see what sorts of things come back. And there are quite a few folks around this area who are working to get native prairie back. Um, so, you know, if we need seed or anything like that, we've got some pretty local seed, um, which will be really good because it will already be acclimated to this area. So that brings us to um, the garden. Yeah, yeah, I love the garden. Um, but we have two, two gardens and plus what's in the front of the house. Um, the main garden is... Oh, a third to a half of an acre, I suppose. It's as big as we've ever had. Um, and then there's also the cane field, which has um, the sorghum cane. It has, um, oh, we did corn, um, which really the coons got. Um, and a few sunflowers, we did some sunflowers out there for chicken feed. Um, but the big garden, oh, gracious, it was so much fun. Um, there's, I grow lots of herbs, um, medicinal herbs, those sorts of things. Um, we experimented a lot more with raised beds, um, and we experimented with um, biodynamic planting this year, and I um, was able to take a permaculture class, so um, I've been integrating those sorts of things as well. Um, and we like to integrate flowers, you know, within everything, actually, and then it just looks so pretty. Um, and just tried some new things. Like, I'd never tried celeriac before, so we tried celeriac this year. And um, we actually just harvested the last of the garden last week, um, except we still have leeks in the ground. But we um, got out all of our greens last week. We were really amazed that we could make it to the beginning of December and still have stuff in the garden. Yeah, it was amazingly long fall. Oh, it was crazy. And, you know, we've only been here for three garden seasons now, and everyone has told us every year that, you know, this isn't normal. Um, so don't get used to it, and we don't know what's normal. So we just kind of go with, you know, whatever it is. <laughs> so, but, yeah, it was a wonderful garden year. Um, we did really, really, really well. Our, our pantry is, is quite full. Our freezer is quite full. Um, lots of, I don't know, I, as I look out at the garden now, there's, there was lots of strawberries. There was lots, of, like I said, tomatoes and peppers, and um, I froze up some okra and... Um, and you used your dehydrator a lot, I remember. Oh, my dehydrator was going constantly. Lots of herbs, lots of medicinal herbs. Um, dried some peppers and, um, gosh, you name it, I dried it. Uh, tomatoes, all sorts of stuff. So, so you yeah. have that incredible luxury of um, a body that's a little bit recovering from a lot of work and a refrigerator, I mean, a freezer that's full of Beautiful, brightly yes. colored produce yep. when yep. what's yep. in the yep. shelves at <laughs> the grocery store is looking less and less appetizing. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Yeah, we're actually we're starting to recover from fall. Um, it's funny. I mean, as a, when I was in school and then as a teacher, you know, I looked forward to summer breaks, and now I really look forward to the winter break. So, because summer's the busy time, obviously, in fall. So, and get in some reading, maybe. Yeah. Yep, and, yep. and what are what's going on with your neighbors? What what is the kind of predominant land use around there? And um, oh. and what do you see? What do you see happening that's really hopeful? And what do you see that happening that maybe is less hopeful? Predominant land use. There's a lot of cattle around. Um, 
you know, as I go between here and town, which is 12 miles away, um, there's corn and soybeans, um, which in some ways I would say would be less hopeful. Um, what else are people doing? There, you know, one thing that I find very interesting about this area um, and very hopeful is that a lot of people around here still garden. Um, there's a lot of folks that have not lost that connection to the land. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a rural area, um, and folks, they, they know how to garden. They know about the old ways of doing things. I mean, you talk about sorghum around here, and everyone knows what it is. Um, and that I find really, really hopeful. And if folks, you know, if they've, if they've been away from the garden for a little bit, it's not, it, it, it's not for very long, you know, maybe a generation or so. It's still, they still remember what good food tastes like. Um, so I do find that actually to be very, very, very hopeful. It's different from um, what I remember up in North Dakota, actually. So, yeah, those are kind of some neat things that are going on around here. Um, Would you say that people are doing, um, people are engaged in barter and trade kind of on a non, not a very organized way or, or are there farmers markets or what's the, how does that, how do those gardens express themselves through community? Um, a lot of folks are feeding themselves. Um, there is a nice farmers market. Um, I would like to see more folks growing their food, um, and then selling it because there's a lot of, you know, you can go to the wholesale auction and then get the food and then come to the farmer's market. Um, but there are some folks that, that are producing their own food and selling it. Um, for the most part, people are feeding themselves. I mean, they talk about it, you know, early springtime. So did you get your sweet potatoes planted yet? Uh, or not planted yet. Did you get them started yet? Um, did you, you know, come canning season? How many beans did you get canned? How many tomatoes did you get canned? Um, how about your corn? How's your corn doing? Um, there's a lot of conversation, a lot of help um, between neighbors, um, friends, family that way. Um, yeah, I guess that, that's how I see it at this moment being more community-based. Um, it's just kind of helping each other out. Um, looking after each other. And, you know, with our, our family, I mean, we're, um, especially with my dad's side, um, you know, when we have a bumper crop of something, we share, and when they have a bumper crop of something, they share. And so, like, our apples didn't do very well this year, but um, some family and friends, theirs did. So um, that worked out pretty nicely. And and tell me, if you would, about the, um, the seeds and, and the seed project that you and your mom are involved with. Oh, just saving. What's your vision for that, and what have you what have you done so far along the past two years? Kind of as far as saving seeds. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, it's interesting. I, <laughs> I, I am in some ways fairly new to gardening. You know, five, ten years or so. Um, and one of the things that I that I've been increasingly interested in is heirloom seeds. Um, and it's really only been the last few years. Um, that I've actually started saving seeds. I, I don't know if I really ever knew what where seeds came from, which may sound silly, but um, but this last year we just kind of went nuts as far as saving seeds goes. Um, we've been looking through the garden catalogs, and um, we don't need to buy a lot this year. It's really cool. Um, this next year, I'm hopeful, and maybe this is what you're referring to, actually, 
Um, actually, let me back up. This last spring, it was really sweet. There was a, a group of us that get together every Wednesday. And um, this last spring, one of the things that just kind of happened spontaneously was that whenever we had, you know, extra seedlings, those sorts of things, we'd just bring them um, to our gathering on Wednesday. And... Um, you know, we would just share that way. And I was so inspired by that that one of the things that I want to do this next year is, is have um, um, a seed and plant swap um, with just folks in the area who are interested. Um, I want to focus, I hope, uh, more on heirloom seeds, um, heirloom plants, um, so that people can keep saving their seeds. Um, so I'm really, I'm looking forward to that. I'm really looking forward to that. So we just got to kind of set a date and, um, I've let some people know, and they're really excited about it. So it sounds like a fun little community thing to, to get off the ground. It's funny how plants give people an excuse to um, be human with each other. Definitely, and the stories that people tell. It's really cool. I mean, they'll start talking about, oh, I remember when Grandma used to plant something like that. and It's just fun. It's fun to hear people's stories and just to get people talking. And, and yeah, I mean, they, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's more they just become, I don't know, they just kind of open up um, and just become more themselves, um, let, the, let the guard down, so to speak. So, yeah, um, I find also people um, who um, spend a lot of time with plants, they start to have a slightly different aspect to them. It's almost like they become slightly acculturated by the, by the plant kingdom, and um, they're being, you know, always at the, at the like on your knees in the garden and around the, among the flowers. Mm. It starts to have an impact. I feel like on oh, on sure. people, and they they turn they turn a little bit different. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. We, you know, one of the things that we feel so humbled by. Um, I mean, the bounty that our garden produced this year. I mean, we we worked hard. I mean, that's. <laughs> That's, uh, we did do that, um, but the garden was was just, I mean, overflowing with all sorts of bounty, and we have been so incredibly humbled by that. Um, we and very much we felt that we've been um, taken care of by the garden, so it's been really nice. Yeah, and, and you know, as much as you think gardening is a lot of work, but it always feels like you know we only really do like a tenth of the work. Yeah. Or a one-hundredth of the work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that, I mean, we had grand plans this spring. You know, we wanted to add turkeys and add bees and all sorts of stuff and add this and add that. But one of the things that we really um, began to notice was that we, we needed to stop doing any extra stuff and really work on the dirt, work on the soil, because it was tired um, and it just it needed some amendments. Um, so we've really been working with that. Um, we're fortunate with the chickens. Um, you know, they, they have access to part of the garden, so they get out there and scratch and, and poop and do all that good stuff. Um, and then we have a good friend of ours who, uh, well, you met Rolf um, at, the, at Farm Aid. He, oh, yeah. uh, he'll bring He's us wonderful. compost. Um, he has cattle, and so he brings us a truckload of compost. Um, and so we've been getting a lot of that on the garden and um, doing that kind of stuff too. So, and reading more... Um, you know about like sheet mulching and those sorts of things, and making your own compost. We've been um, we've been doing a lot of that kind of stuff, and really trying to build up the soil. And we have another friend around here who um, he um, we did a soil test through um, a group that he works with, and then he's going to help us um, 
you know, as far as what the nitty-gritty is and the minerals and all that kind of stuff, which I don't understand all that, but um, I look forward to learning more about that. So we, do, we definitely do have help. fruit trees and more animals, or what's next? Yeah. I, you know, <laughs> we need a barn. <laughs> Once we get a barn, we're going to be in trouble. Um, but right now, we are pretty much maxed out. Um, it's just the three of us. Um, we're pretty much maxed out as what we're, as far as what we're doing. Um, when we moved here, we you know people talk about the learning curve. Well, we joked and talked about the learning cliff because that's what it felt like. Um, we had so much to learn in such a short amount of time, um, and things are starting to get a little easier now. But then we add you know a few things on and that kind of stuff. Um, I don't see us adding more animals at the moment. Um, we've talked about things like turkeys. Um, we found some sheep that we really liked. We've got friends who have goats that would be really fun. Um, we would need housing for any of that. Um, we don't have any housing for that. Um, so for right now, one of the things that I probably can see me doing before um, any of those would be bees. Um, I would like to have some bees around here. So have you ever had bees? Um, yeah, we had 13 hives this year um, wow. on the farm that I was farming. Nice. And oh, my friend Sam took care of them. But, yes. you know, the melons really, I think, benefited because I had a garden the year before um, and we didn't have bees nearby. Yeah. And um, we just didn't get... A, a, I mean, it was a really wet... Both years were really wet. Yeah. Um, but the fruit, the fruit set um, was just much, much better. Nice. And I think it was because of the bees. Nice. I would not be surprised. Be surprised. Yeah, I've been doing some reading on that kind of stuff, um, and then have a friend that um, has very graciously offered to help me. So um, I would like to do bees at some point. So well, there you are out on the reclaiming the prairie, helping the prairie to reclaim itself, mm-hmm. and really building from scratch um, the homestead, improving the soil, and making a bigger garden, a bigger garden, and working as a family. It's such a wonderful. It's such a wonderful model for working together. It's been fun. We've definitely learned a lot. Um, learned a lot about the land, learned a lot about gardening, learned a lot about ourselves, learned a lot about each other. Um, it's been really good to do it together. It really has. It's been fun. It's been a fun family project. And your mom yeah. makes the best biscuits. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't do too bad, does she? You should have, it's too bad she didn't have a pie that day, too, because she's also well-known for her pies, too. <laughs> oh, man. The legend of those biscuits <laughs> will go on in history. Well, it's really nice of you to join us today, and um, I wanted to just give you a chance to tell um, our listeners the, the name of your blog and, and the, w co- the, the URL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks. It's... Um, now, put me on the spot, i got to think. Um, it's butterflyhillfarm.blogspot.com. And that's a place where you can read um, essays and see photos yeah. um, and basically see the record of the experience and reflection of these wonderfully caring and thoughtful um, land stewards and their project together as a family. Thank you so much, and um, I wanted to make sure our radio listeners are also aware that they can keep track of us online, um, www.thegreenhorns.net and www.thegreenhorns.wordpress.com. We just had our first um, blog day where we had 
a 780 hit in one day, wow. which is a lot. Um, yeah. It puts up the pressure, so we really got to make sure that we have four or five or six new things every day on there that are job opportunities and wow. articles that are interesting, um, farm, farm opportunities, that kind of thing. So if you're a young farmer or an aspiring farmer, join us online and, and let's keep expanding that online network and, and holding hands across cyberspace with our compatriots in Missouri and elsewhere. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. This has been Greenhorns Radio. Um, next week, we have another great interview, and I hope you come back and listen some more. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. <laughs>